on this episode is Jean Grey talking about the things that she say. So distracted, didn't feed Bay. Listening to Black Cat. <laughs> Welcome to the Black Cast. This is my Chris Russo that I do occasionally for <laughs> people to enjoy. Uh, this is another installment of the Black Cast, another installment where we talk Peacemaker, and uh, we will try to uh, keep the heaviest spoilers towards the end like we did last time. As always, I am Christian Blatt, and uh, I put together a Peacemaker panel that was last week's audio episode. For our visual listeners, it was just a few short hours ago, and uh, everybody's so excited about this show that uh, two great friends and fellow hosts of a variety of shows uh, that I've done over the years uh, wanted to join in. So welcome back to the Black Cast, Michael Shirley, hey. also known as Michael X Shirley, and uh, Nate uh, Nate Miller, I'm not sure if I've repurposed uh, interviews that we've done for the other show for the Black Cast, but I think you've been on the Black Cast before. You just didn't know it. I didn't know it. <laughs> you probably did a Marvel movie talk for a movie, and then it was like, oh, yeah, and then that uh, showed up over there. And uh, important message in the chat. Keith's dad says, hey, you're Christian. Good to see you. Uh, just uh, pulling on a thread from our previous episode before uh, I let you guys share your thoughts on uh, Peacemaker. Pal Dominicus Saxon uh, wanted us to know that he did not have to use his basement well to convince Mrs. Saxon to watch Peacemaker. <laughs> that well is strictly for a more recreational purpose. And he elaborates that she watched the first episode with him and liked it, but the ending was too much of a WTF moment. Uh, got her to watch the second one. And by the end of that, she was all in because uh, our guest on our previous episode, John Nolan, a.k.a. The Raging Rhino, uh, could not convince his wife to watch it. I didn't even bother trying to tell my wife to watch it with me. But now she heard so many people talk about it. I think she is going to watch it. And I'm like, I'll, I'll watch it again. I, I don't rewatch a lot of shows, but this is one that I might do. He is uh, just a well of knowledge. Your who friend. is? Your friend, the amazing uh, rhino or whatever, uh, raging rhino. Well, raging yeah, rhino. So yeah, he's like, like I'm, like he's around my age, and he is. It puts you to shame. He's a nerd for DC info the way I am for Marvel info from okay. basically the same era. Okay, but uh, I just I I don't know most of it. Like you could have told me that you know Peacemaker is you know, what, like the 10th biggest DC character. And I'm like, oh, okay, I just didn't know. But it turns out that most people didn't really know him. Uh, and Raging Rhino is in the chat, <laughs> hearing the accolades to him, oh, uh, saying that, uh, asks if it's recreational, as in Playboy Grotto or Lotion Basket. Honestly, Raging Rhino, what's the difference? But I want to ask each of you just sort of your expectations heading into this show. You know, when we talked in our previous episode, 
he was not the standout from the Suicide Squad movie. He was not the guy where I'm like, I really want to spend more time with Chris. Really? Smith, the Peacemaker. It, I it, don't it, agree. He wasn't like the least. I think if you did a King Shark show, that would be really tough to maintain. Uh, Polka Dot Man yeah. actually would have been really interesting. But yeah, okay. so all right, I'll start right. with you, Michael. So that was your takeaway from Suicide Squad. You wanted more oh. Peacemaker. Yes. Yes. I, I'm a, a John Cena, like, super fan. Uh, well, first of all, show off your T-shirt for yeah, our video Yeah, listeners. I'm wearing my WrestleMania video audience. shirt. So with, WrestleMania, uh, what is that, 28? XXVII? God, yeah. you know I can't do math. Yeah, it's well, 28. Yeah, that's why I uh, it, yeah. John Cena versus The Rock. So um, I, I've interviewed him. He has the biggest hand I have ever shaken in my life. Like his hand was like both of my feet put together. It was just ridiculous. And like I, I was shaking hands with a giant. I will watch anything that he does. I love him. He's so talented. He's his work ethic is like incredible. Like the way he is with his diet and his sleep. And like he's just so regimen like type of person. Because I guess when you get your body like that, you have to be kind of. Uh, and I think that's kind of carried over into the rest of his life. Yeah, those of us who really put the amount of time into our body and it's a big part of our career, it really does take a lot. So I can obviously relate I think to that. it takes a big toll on uh, relationships. Being Totally like does. That. Yeah, agreed. Uh, can, agreed 100%. Kind of follow that in Total Bellas, <laughs> how that works out. Uh, but uh, I... I loved him and I loved King Shark, but I love King Shark everything. Right. Like you guys were talking earlier about the animated series. I love King Shark in the animated series. He's in the uh, the Harley Quinn Harley animated Quinn. series? Harley Quinn, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so those were really the two that I really was excited to see. But I, I wasn't jumping on watch. I didn't watch until the very end. Uh, it had, they had all premiered uh and you kept talking about it with eric I, connor i did talk about it a lot yeah on our marvel show and that was like i was like yeah i need to i need to catch up because i have hbo max and i love john cena and it was just that opening i mean i think it is this kind of this way for everyone but the, like, the opening man that just kind of there's i've never seen anything close to like that on TV and that I was just hooked from the second eagerly dropped down and was like, ta-da. I yeah. was, I was all, I, I think it was, uh, it, it was John Nolan who pointed out and, and like, I'd sort of like kind of noticed it, but he really, he, it was able to uh, vocalize it better than I had that. Oh, that he eagerly, was like, eagerly lands, mark. Yeah, but he yeah, misses yeah. his mark. So he yeah. has to scoot over and I'm like, yeah, that is a nice touch. So Nate, uh, your thoughts, when you saw the Suicide Squad, uh, was was this the you know they set up this show in the mid credits or post credit scene? So I walked out of the theater knowing it was coming, and I'm like, all right, I'll check that out. But uh, what were your thoughts of him in the movie and then heading into this uh, this series? Um, if I'm not mistaken, they had like greenlit the series before the movie even came out. So. <laughs> I don't I think, I, I, but I don't think I knew about no, it. They yeah. didn't because James Gunn said that uh, he was so taken by how good he was on the set 
that that oh. made him do this. But right, maybe, but, but Nate, maybe it was before it came out. Release. Maybe it was before the release. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I going into the movie, I already knew that his character was getting a spinoff. Yeah. Um. I thought the first movie was really bad, so I had low expectations. Granted, I like James Gunn, but I was yeah. just ready for whatever it was. So I was very, very pleasantly uh, surprised with how much I enjoyed it. Um, lately, I have really found out that I'm a big fan of John Cena. Like, I always thought he was cool. I didn't dislike him. He was just kind of like whatever, you know, another another famous wrestler becoming an actor, playing big tough guy action roles. Um, but in the last few years, I've seen him do a couple roles that uh, are seem you know, not crazy out of his range, but like different, more complex than we've seen him do. Um, last year, I don't know if it was last year, or the year before he did uh, last year, he was in vacation friends. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a comedy on Hulu and he is hilarious in that. Um, so going into watching the show, I was already like, you know, I'm, I'm really excited on John Cena. I want to, especially after watching the movie, you know, I'm excited to see, more of this character and especially being a fan of james gunn i was really excited to see him do a tv series uh especially with a huge you know hbo budget um so yeah I, and I, I mean when james gunn does a series i mean he does a series he wrote all eight episodes he directed most of them uh and you know the level of involvement i think is important because a lot of people might direct the pilot and maybe write the pilot and then you know just sort of you know, punt it over to somebody else, but the you can raised tell that what's that? I said raised by wolves, cough. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you could tell that uh, you know, he's just really passionate about it and on, on the whole, like had a great time because they would uh I, I mentioned this last time that they would do like a cast and and James Gunn like watch alongs on Saturdays and everybody would uh, tweet about it and just the way that he would talk about it and how excited he got when people noticed the minutia or wow this song or that and uh and you know so it, it seems like something that he was very passionate about and uh I, I think that uh, it shows on the screen that he cared you know it wasn't just like hey you want a bunch of money to do some dumb show yeah whatever you know I think it was uh, a lot more to it uh, than that. Uh, so I'm going to ask each of you something that I asked in the earlier episode. Uh, was there a moment in the show where you were like, okay, I know that I thought that this would be good. I thought it might be fun, but was there a moment where like, this is where they really got me. This was where I thought it was like a next level. Oh, I liked this even more than I thought. I'll ask you first, Michael. Hmm. I mean, the, the opening opening song is really, really good. <laughs> With the uh, oh, just the dance, but do, I, do you want to taste it by Wigwam? A, yeah, yeah. Uh, hard rock uh, band out of uh, I think it's Norway, but I get my yeah, I get my kind of yeah. I get those uh, those parts of the world, and they uh, did a I really did, awesome acoustic version of the song recently for like Peacemaker promo, and it's yeah. And and James Gunn posted it, and it was like from the HBO uh, YouTube channel. And I mentioned this last time. That song is like I don't know, thirteen years old that band wigwam they didn't even win they were like one of the competitors in the eurovision uh uh it's sort of like american idol but like way bigger because multiple countries are involved yeah and, and still letting russia continue by the way eurovision even wow. after this invasion of ukraine they're letting i, I mean you know look there's there's war where we right deny the Russian people of music in the time of need. And then know. there's television, you know, I mean, let's, let's, let's put our priorities in order. And uh, the craziest thing was that uh, three days before the show premiered, their management dropped them. Yeah. Them. 
And well, they're um, getting the last laugh now. Well, they are because they, uh, you know, and I, it, it's very specifically the rock chart, but they did have the number one rock chart uh, last week. This number one song on the rock chart, excuse me. So good for them. And that song, yeah, I'd never heard that song before. And we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time on the music. There's a lot of the music I've heard a lot, but <laughs> that was one I hadn't heard. And yeah. yeah, it's just like before I saw it, all I knew is that people were like, oh, the opening is so great. I can't skip it. I, that's really all I knew, though. I didn't know anything going in up beyond that. And uh, it did not disappoint. And it really sets the tone for it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what about you, Nate? Was there, you know, because you were interested heading into it and I was cautiously optimistic, but didn't really know what I was going to get. I think James Gunn being associated I, I wasn't really worried i liked the suicide squad enough that I, I wasn't worried but uh was there a moment where you're like oh this is really like great or better than i thought or anything like that i mean especially coming off of the suicide squad i i i was pretty i don't want to say i had like super high expectations for the show but i yeah. did you know expect it to be good i was excited and and it definitely met and exceeded those for me so anytime you get superheroes and then you start throwing in like violence and like sex and all that stuff then i'm i'm in that's where i'm at i like the gritty superhero stuff or anything that takes what is like the general superhero tropes and then tries to like color outside of that and kind of play with it a little bit that's the stuff that i like so Uh, i was already on board i really enjoyed the first i i i mean being honest the first time i heard the theme song i was like what is this what sure? is going on right yeah. and then like the second episode you're like all right oh that's that one character that's that one character and then the third episode do you really want to do you really want to taste it <laughs> it's just like and then like what that probably like four episodes in i had that song stuck in my head for like two weeks like just yeah. every day yeah, walking around stuck in my song nonstop. yeah yeah i've had it in my head for like two months that's about but right. one of the one of the brilliant things of the show that makes it so good outside of it you know, being funny and not taking itself too seriously while still having good action pieces and character motivations is like the details. It's detailed like a Marvel movie with like a bunch of Easter eggs and stuff. And that makes rewatching it very enjoyable. Even something like the intro, like there's so many things about the intro that were there from the first episode that I picked on slowly each week. And I literally went back and watched it. I was like, did I miss this before? Like, like the old the old man of the neighbor, uh, that kung fu dude hopping out the, the trap. I watched a great video by Screen Crush that was talking about how the whole dance is like a metaphor for the growth growth of the characters in the show, which oddly made a lot of sense, which also also very deep. Um, but you could just tell that there was a lot of love and like passion that went into the project, and it it really it really comes across. Um, I also really I was really hooked in when I when I found out about what they were going to do with his dad. Cause I had a loose understanding of the peacemaker character. Um, I only really knew him as like a white supremacist villain in DC. Uh, so I knew that they kind of have changed it a little bit for the suicide squad. So then coming into this, I like that he, even though he kind of changed the character, he still very much integrated that. And I think he did it in a really good way that made for an interesting character development outside of just like, oh, this guy used to be a Nazi and now he's like not as bad of a Nazi or something like that. Like, I think they he did. They did, James did a really good job of like adding depth to, you know, what is still a comedic character, but has like this dark backstory and like these real serious things that he's dealing with. And that combined with the humor and the action on the show and like how well it was shot i was i was hooked in from the first episode i I was really excited 
Yeah, and I think it works for the backstory that it's his dad who's the huge racist, and he knows his dad's an asshole, but he's his dad, and you know he loves his dad right up until he puts a bullet in his brain, and he probably still loves his dad, but he just realizes that it's necessary. Um, one of the things that uh, I feel like, it, it, you know, if if Michael and I were able to contribute to this show, it would be lots of ideas. It would be you know a, a just really messy. Uh, Excel spreadsheet or a Word document just filled with insults for other DC characters. He talks so much shit about so many of them, and it's so fun. And he, you know, and they'll do a lot where they'll point out, you know, they'll isolate things on uh, social media, like James Gunn will post these videos. And it's like, yes, Batmite is now canon because they mention him, you know. And it's the first time that Green Arrow actually gets mentioned in the, the DCEU at all. You know, so it's like, okay, he's real. He's not just a guy on TV. And there's there's so much of that, and it's so funny. The uh, the the outtake that I like the most is the episode where Peacemaker is trying to point out, like, there's so many other people you could have framed except my dad. And then the long cut of it is him saying, like, I don't know, a hundred people. And apparently, uh, he improvised all the yeah, yeah. And, and some of it was uh, James Gunn would feed him some names, like. Howard Stern and Robin Ophelia quivers, but for it was a lot of that. He says James Gunn and he says, uh, Freddie Stroma, I think is the actor who played vigilante and vigilante says those aren't even real. So James Gunn then points out that means that James Gunn is not Canon in the DCEU, just little things like that. Just that level of stuff. Uh, I thought, uh, some of that was fun, but did you, uh, did you like kind of Michael, did you like the, the bitchiness of peacemaker where he oh. talks so much shit about so many characters. Yeah. I was, I was thinking that the way they kind of all talk to each other kind of reminds me a little bit of our Marvel TV, <laughs> TV weekly, like off camera talk. It's, uh, it's, I, yeah, they've got really great chemistry all of them together yeah and i think it's just funny the idea that peacemaker you know it's like clearly he walks through life assuming like yeah obviously wonder woman's into me like why wouldn't she be you know <laughs> and uh just you know talking about batman and superman and all that and just the all the the side characters uh yeah yeah he I, gets pretty specific with their negative traits yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, you know, and and one of which we'll one of which we'll talk about at the end. We'll save for a spoiler. Sort of the the one of the big moments in the finale. Uh, so other things uh, about the show, Nate. You know, there's there's a lot to look at. But uh, I was I was wondering sort of what you thought. I, I said this the last time that when you put a group of people together and they don't like each other at the beginning it's very often hard to believe that they do end up liking each other. And I think a lot of times when you see that it's in a movie and there's just not enough time to convince us, but I think they legitimately were able to be like, yeah, these people, you know, the, I think uh, a Harcourt is sort of representing us the way she feels about peacemaker in the first episode. That's like, oh, you're just a piece of shit with a gun, you know, like, yeah, it seems accurate. And then like, no, he's actually a lot more to him. What do you think about the way that the characters evolve, but really also glow to grow together as like a team? Um, I think one of the things that made guardians so good was the interaction between the crew of characters when they were all together. And I think especially looking at this that that sign up that writing of these characters this group writing and conversation is something james good is very very good at um 
So I think once you have that that ability to connect the characters, then you can put them in different places and then connect them and then they can end up somewhere else later, right? So I think in this show, they did a really good job of establishing like the reasons why everyone like, you know, why Harcourt like kind of doesn't really want to be there, why she doesn't like Peacemaker, why Peacemaker kind of resents everybody and is just kind of like a total douche and like why Adebaye you know, is kind of like one foot in, one foot out. Like all of this stuff is explained. So there's rationale, there's reason for them not to like each other, but also with the way how the plot progresses and the things that force them to draw together or rely on each other, it doesn't come across as like, all right, this is what needs to happen to get to the end of the story. It feels like a natural progression. Um, so it just, I don't know. It just, it, it just felt really good. I, I didn't even really find myself thinking about that trope. Um, because I was just getting invested in the characters and their relationships. I thought I, I did not expect to get that deep into Peacemaker's background. Um, but then also to like a character like Adebaye is very interesting. Like the premise of being, um, uh, Waller's child, right. right? And she's like bringing you in on all the crazy stuff that she's doing. Like that's a really interesting character. There's a lot of like uh, emotional and like uh, moral choices that they're dealing with and like reconciling with. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I really like this show so much and every episode for me got better and I was worried about the finale, but I think the finale was 10 out of 10, A+. Plus. Um, I felt great about the relationships that, you know, kind of resolved and where things landed. And yeah, it just didn't feel forced. It, it felt really good. I think also to your point too about having space because it's a series and not a movie. This again reinforces why for superhero stuff, I prefer shows to movies. There have been some fantastic movies, absolutely. But unless you're making a movie about a specific moment or what would be like a short one to two, three issue arc, if you're adapting a story that is a six, seven, eight issue arc, it needs to be a series. You need to have that time to have those big action set pieces and do the cool stuff, but you also have to have time to build the character's motivation so when that happens, you care about it. It's not just like, ooh, cool, pretty explosions. You're like, yes, I want you to win, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's why the to date still the only well done adaptation of the Dark Phoenix story is the X Men animated series, because uh, the neither movie uh, was able to stick the landing, mm-hmm. as they say. And I really like I, to pretend those movies don't exist. Well, uh, you know what? Fo- I was gonna say Fox does. No, Fox doesn't because all those movies, even the the worst of them, even Wolver- uh, X Men Origins Wolverine made them a lot of money, so they don't care. But I think that, uh, and that really, let, you know, that's a separate issue because obviously characters like the X-Men will be movies and that'll be a big draw. But I feel like the Fantastic Four was never my favorite comic, but I did always like it, but their stories would take a very long time. You know, they weren't, they weren't quick. Like Spider-Man as a solo character, you could get it done in 22 pages. Yeah, there'll be some themes that are continuing from week to week, but it's so it's hard. And and yeah, the fact that we had all of this, um, what did you find, uh, Michael, about sort of the the way that the team grew together? It uh, y- you referenced this. I mean, starting out, uh, it, it probably remind no by the end of it, it probably reminded you of our original Marvel Marvel TV Weekly crew where we were all so tight and we all loved each other so much. I'm not going to address that because I'm not really sure. <laughs> you know, like, it was a long time ago. You don't remember. It's fine. I, I'm, I think you're being cheeky. 
I, I, I would never do that, especially not to you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, you totally threw me off. What was that? Again? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. I just was trying to make you laugh as an aside, yeah, by actually yeah, yeah. asking you about the, the way that all the characters evolved oh. throughout the course of the show and, you know, believing them as yeah, essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. like a family by the end of it, like, like we were a family for, for me. I felt like it was kind of like, well, this is one, I have a few problems with the show, but well, I, would be, I would be, I would be disappointed if you didn't be, have any problems. Be unlike me. You wouldn't uh, be you if you didn't yeah, have any yeah, problems. Yeah. I felt like they didn't do a great job of um, saying the names of a lot of the characters because they're introducing a lot of people at one time. And I feel like they really only focused on the masked characters saying their names a lot. Like you would hear Vigilante constantly. You would hear yeah. Golf constantly. You would hear Peacemaker constantly. But like I had to look up how to e like what they were even saying, Steve. Well, especially like Auto Bayou doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. And I especially gotta, because we, we got Diebeard in our head. Uh, in like the whatever the second episode or whatever. yeah so yeah i i i think the names aren't easy you know and hardcore well, was the easiest the one problem. to remember it was, because it was the easiest name you know it was more that their names weren't said as much sure but that also know? makes for more unnatural dialogue it doesn't I, sound i like, think if you're a good writer it doesn't talking, it's not like hey michael can michael can you get me this michael <laughs> michael you know like that's not yeah that's not i think if you're a good writer, and i will also say I will also say I am terrible with names and I remember most of the main cast names. So shame on you. But also too, I watch the <laughs> subtitles. So the subtitles are kind of cheating. I get to subtitles read the are definitely that, cheating. That no, there is no world where I will watch subtitles. Like it's not happening. Um, unless it's like an old, old anime. Uh, but I, I think if you're a good writer and you're a good actor and you cut your movie well, you can... I mean, it doesn't even have to be saying names. You can be seeing names, written names. Um, that I, I just found it hard to think of people's names. Uh, so you think a name tag that says, hello, my name is Mern, would uh, have helped the show along? I mean, I think maybe on some of them, that might have not have been so wild, considering the kind of show it is. But yeah. for me, where I, I was totally sold on the team was when Mern died and put his little butterfly paw out and like touched her fingertip and i was like okay these are these are like this is my team uh in the chat Kame egan says i'm glad peacemaker wasn't a film because like nate mentioned there was such a large character arc to get to know chris and needed to be broken down into hour-length shows dominicus saxon agrees that in a two-hour movie it's hard to get too deep and Peacemaker is definitely one that was uh, that is like an onion, uh, and the whole cast was well done. I, I think that the casting was good. Uh, you know, I, I liked. I think that the biggest surprise was was really Vigilante. Just how much I liked him because he he was one way when we first saw him, and he was still always the really needy. You know, the really needy like puppy dog, like hopping up and down, like pay attention to me, Peacemaker. But, uh, you know, he was he's also, as James Gunn pointed out, he's a master of, of murder. Like he's really good at it. He can kill a lot of people really well and really quickly. And so 
if I, I said this last time that if the character was just like, you know, he's really awkward socially and there's things about him. If he was just a fuck up in general, I, I don't know that the character works as well, but I uh, just like, yeah, I mean, I might not be able to make a conversation. I might fake laugh. Very Deadpool. Yeah. yeah. That's he, fair. He, yeah. For me, it's very, it's very like he watched a Deadpool movie and decided that that's who I want to be. Like it's, yeah. a, it's like Deadpool. If Deadpool didn't have powers and also wasn't like the be- one of the best mercenaries ever, right? And was just kind of like this kid that was trying to do that kind of stuff. I thought he was an awesome like foil too to 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 chris's peacemaker like yeah we already have this idea of him and a vigilante and doing stuff and then you see vigilante who's like obviously objectively worse than chris <laughs> like he even talks about how like yeah sometimes i've killed innocent people on accident like he's he's there to be like see chris is not that bad you know he, deep down he's a good person there are worse people that he could be um, but I thought he he provided really good comedic relief too. I actually expected him to die. I was kind of surprised. I did too. I he did I was die. surprised. There were many times where I was surprised. I thought he was going to die feels in like prison. A, like a Jesse situation where like he was supposed to die, but then like people really liked him, so then they like kept him alive. Yeah, I mean it could it could. Definitely Are you talking about Saved by the Bell? No, uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't know if you. So, so you think that it's off. season one of, of Saved by the Bell? Well, I know they that were going to kill Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be a cocaine episode, and the censorship well, that wasn't gonna, was that, like, that wasn't not that gonna wasn't going to happen on NBC Saturday morning. So they did that. Know. And Michael, I can confidently tell you, I have never watched an entire episode of Saved by the Bell, and I never will in my entire well, life. I can confidently tell you that I have a cast photo signed by every single one of their stupid. I I oh can confidently God. tell you, I used to run into Mr. Belding all the time at Dimples, the karaoke bar in Burbank. He was always there. You told and me this story. I think I, that's really fun. Yeah, um, Mr. Dimples Balding. Is, Dimples is no longer there, uh, but I I like to really Mr. Mr. Belding. Oh, it's been closed for it's a it's a Whole Foods now. Go figure. Uh, but I'd like to think that uh, Mr. Belding still has a seat right there in the whole foods uh food court uh let's uh let's get uh raging rhino making a triumphant return when peacemaker can't kill goff's family and vigilante takes over you realize he may be a twat that word doesn't get used nearly enough i appreciate the usage of the word twat. British. uh but he can get the job done uh yeah that is where we see like yeah the how proficient he is and i i think that did add depth to peacemaker just the fact that yeah i know they're not really kids we actually didn't know at that time but he just he's like look i can kill people but you were asking me to shoot kids and not telling me why yeah. that added yeah, I, a, a layer to it that i was impressed it's important to hear that the context of get the job done yeah is murder people without clear and present cause and in this case people who are kids so yes in yeah. that case yes vigilante can get the job they done. were kids. But the point was that that hesitation that chris had is what allowed his character to change and not be what his dad wanted him to be and like yeah. vigilante represents kind of what chris would be like if he truly was as morally ambiguous as he kind of presents to be i thought yeah. a lot about Good. that uh, how they were very careful not to say which kid was the ugly kid, but we knew, we knew which kid was the ugly kid. We knew it was the little girl. Like, yeah. We knew that. Like, and then there, there was uh, the scene where Peacemaker's uh, speaking to the class. Uh, oh, I couldn't J- even keep up with his J- like. 
James Gunn made the point that, you know, like, I think he posted something from like one of the parents about like all the, all the kids had fun. They were all in on it and everything was okay. You know, because he's, he's mean to them, but it was just like, it just comes off that way. Uh, uh, you know, and, uh, that that was a that was a fun scene where you know they ask him about like all the real superheroes uh and uh you know that was that was one of those great moments too i uh, felt like vigilante had one of the best moments lines when he's going to the bathroom and he's got his underwear like around his like knees and he says um you know that he can't pee with like fabric touching his bottom or butt or whatever i don't remember that that made that made me laugh out loud really hard it was very funny it's a it's a running joke in uh in south park that that's how butters pees even in the the more recent south park movies where he's an adult as a joke that he still does that <laughs> so uh it was very funny and of course my son who's six whenever he uses wow. the, he uses the, 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 the urinal that's what he does so it, it's always very funny but very uh free, yeah you know yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. I'm just. I feel like I'm missing something, but uh, it needs the constraints of the yeah. zipper fly. A great point uh, from Raging Rhino. Uh, sorry, from Jamaica Saxon. Uh, the fact that Vigilante's whistling and humming happily, you know, like while he's massacring the family, uh, and Raging Rhino does drop in gender swapped. Alfred E. Newman was one of the insults to the children. And I think it works that your kid has the kids have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, when you say something like that. But, um, yeah, and it's like there's there's a, a a sense, and I've talked a lot about it on this show and others. There's a, a, oftentimes there's a sense that the DC uh, expanded universe is not a place for a lot of fun, you know. And this was a lot <laughs> yeah, of fun. Yeah, yeah. The Suicide Squad was fun. Regular Suicide Squad was a little fun, but it was such a mess that it was really hard for it to be fun. <laughs> the key difference between those two movies is the first one took itself so seriously. Yeah, this is gritty, dark uh, Suicide Squad. They're they're villains and they're going on a mission and they're they're probably not going to come back. They're going to die. It's super serious <laughs> and like it was like no, it's not. Nobody cares. This is crazy. Yeah. And the reason why the second one was so good is because it it was lighthearted. They knew it was ridiculous and he made it fun. Like in- for me, I had a I had an issue with them only putting a V in front of it. I was like, "How? Well, how's anyone in the future like a, gonna?" It, it, kind of a power move. Well, it, it, th- the it, idea is that no one will ever watch the other one. We just can pretend it doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, obviously, just for the best part of that, which is uh, Jared Leto's excellent Joker. I mean, I think that's what people will watch Suicide Squad for. I mean, Harley uh, Quinn. Yeah, I I, I think that that's serviceable. He's the he's not what makes the movie bad. It's just a bad movie. Yeah, and and honestly, it isn't even just like Jared Leto does not make the movie good, but he's not the reason the movie's bad. He's a bad thing in a movie that is also a bad movie. You know, he's just one of one of many on that list. Yeah. So yeah, I will say I like that scene. It's the only thing I liked in the Snyder Cut, which I curse you for even like. I didn't tell you to watch all. I four know hours we talked. You should have like been like Michael. You won't like it. Like don't watch it. But I mean, it's it, 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 it's like an hour and twenty minutes longer than Eternals. So oh, oh. <laughs> that um that extra scene where oh with my Joker God. oh so good. You you liked it? 
in the Snyder Cut. The, loved it. With, where they tried to tone down Jared Leto from being as, as you know, the idea that he would get those tattoos is something that does, it's just in complete contrast to everything that I know about the character, uh, you know, which my favorite Joker is still Cesar Romero, but what do I know? Um, that that's how I like my jokers. My favorite joker is Mark Hamill. So he's great. Oh my god, we lost Michael. He was very <laughs> he, upset. He, he dropped he he dropped the mic on that one. He said Jared uh, Leto is at, the Joker. As we talk about using the bathroom, Dominica Saxon says, I used to work with a guy who would do that. We'd go into the restroom and he'd be there at the urinal with his tidy whities around his ankles. I I don't get that. And uh, Raging Rhino says, release the air cut of Suicide Squad. My understanding is that it would not make it that much different than what it was. I don't know that it would make it better. Uh, but yeah. I, Ayer's, Ayer's direction and vision is what made it to be yeah. so serious and not able to laugh at itself, which just made it unbearable it, to watch. Yeah, so him, and, him having more creative control would, I guarantee you, only make it worse. And I mean, I think that that's, for me, always been the fundamental problem with DC's on-screen universe is that it does take itself too seriously. I think the Christopher Nolan take on on Batman worked really well for those films. What didn't work was, let's try and do that with Superman, a character who is not dark like that. You can have mm -hmm. dark things about him, but he's mm -hmm. truth, justice in the American way or whatever they've turned the American way into. I know he doesn't say that anymore, but that's that's you know christopher reeve that's superman and it's like mm -hmm. you know you can you can make him a little bit rougher around the edges but uh yeah not to the extent that they did i don't think so i mean yeah it it it, it seems like it should be common sense you know like you have the justice league right and then you have uh the dark justice league right and that's yeah. where all the dark stuff happens or you have the avengers team right and then you have the dark avengers you know there's a reason why they separate these brands certain teams and certain characters are just not meant to operate in certain thematic places. And yes, sometimes it's interesting to take them out of that and like, see what they, how they operate in another zone, but to make that your main vein of content for those characters, I, I don't think is a good idea, but I do, I do think to their credit that between this movie and birds of prey and also like doom patrol also, I think that they are kind of understanding that, if to do some of the heavier stuff, you have to have, you know, some breathing in between. You have to not take yourself too seriously in some ways. And that allows you to then when you have the serious stuff, it matters more, right? Like that's kind of the the key really to drama. So if everything is just serious and heavy, then ultimately you, you just stop caring about things. Yeah. And I mean, I think that uh, Peacemaker does a good, uh, you know, there's some really heavy stuff in it. I mean, you know, he grew up thinking he killed his brother, you know, and then, the, it, it's never they don't really get into it but you get the impression that uh you know essentially his dad killed his brother or whatever that whatever exactly that was we don't get the full explanation on that but he did something whatever his brother's spitting up you know whatever that is i don't i don't quite know what that is but i mean he did i read it as he did kill his brother he hit him and then his brother hit his head and had like a seizure or something that's what it looked like and then died that's what it looked like to me um, maybe I need to rewatch that scene again, but either way, I mean, no, yeah. He, so, so you're, you're saying the takeaway is that Chris killed him, but, uh, at the he, behest of his father, like, it's not yeah. like they were and, and, and in earlier, the scenes, you get like a little flashback of that. And it seems like maybe they're just like play fighting, but when you get the full context, like, yeah, that's true. There's no way that he should hold himself responsible for that. But also at the same time, like that is an extremely traumatic event 
which you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's something that we, we touched on, uh, last time. And I think it was Cammy Egan who said, yep. Robert Patrick was perfect as his dad, yes. AKA white dragon. So you don't good. get enough of those just utterly unredeemable characters mm -hmm. where the character mm -hmm. is a bad guy, not someone who has misunderstood mm -hmm. the reasons why they're bad. He's just bad. And, and he's, he has no qualms about it too. He understands yeah. that his point of view, most people think is bad and he does not care. Yeah. And I think Robert Patrick is phenomenal in that role. And yeah, that uh, was perfect casting. Not that yeah. he is that guy, but he plays that character yeah. very, very well. I know. And then uh, the, and the I, suit, the suit that he has is so cool. You know, yeah. it's uh yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's very, it's very on brand with what I would expect that kind of thing to play out as, but I just think he did a really good job of presenting it and like also talking about the implications of that with Autobio and like other characters and stuff. Like they weren't, they weren't just like, Oh yeah, he's a Nazi. He's bad. Like they, they got into it. So I, yeah. I, I was really surprised by that. Uh, Raging Rhino says the dad was the one forcing them to fight and Dominica Saxon is thinking along the lines. I was, it was definitely some kind of seizure, but not sure what triggered it. If he had a history of it, uh, you know, if he was on some medication, whatever it is, Chris goes through his life with the knowledge that he killed his brother and his dad, uh, you know, didn't do anything to dissuade that and told yeah, him he was a piece made of, it worse. Yeah. Told him he was a piece of shit because of it. And uh, it, I, I already touched on it last time, but the sort of the flashback and thinking about his dad and all that is the surprising something that I never thought I would see, especially a tie in to a superhero property is the usage of the faster pussycat song house of pain in a way where it completely fits the story and what's so happening. And they play the whole song. <laughs> and I was just like, I, I mean, that was a, that was a big turning point in the show where I'm just like, not only does he, you know, he doesn't pick all this uh, late eighties, early nineties, hard rock with, you know, glam metal, hair metal, whatever people like to call it. Uh, he doesn't pick it as a, gimmick he really mm -hmm. like james gunn really thinks about how to use it and, and what songs Absolutely. to use and all that he very much reminds me of like a tarantino director and that the music is is integral to the script and the story and like visually what's being presented and yeah i mean i love him too because he he chooses great songs that fit him but they're always like there's a dozen songs that we've heard in a dozen other movies that would also kind of fit that but the fact that he was able to find more obscure ones um, and especially that, you know, fit within this theme of the care again, everything feeds into it. Right. So Chris's obsession with this, with rock and roll and glam metal and stuff, like all those songs also feed into that. It, I, it's just, it just makes for a really satisfying project. I, I was, I mean, I understand some of Michael's criticisms, but as someone who almost always has something bad to say, I really have no criticisms for this show. Like I thought the pacing was excellent. Yeah. The action was excellent. The writing was excellent. The directing was like, everything was just really good. The costumes also. Yeah. Like it doesn't make it easy to have him walking around in that peacemaker suit and not make it look like super weird, but they did a great job with that vigilante's costume too. Like, Oh man, they just, this show is like firing on all cylinders. And this is exactly what I want to see from more live action, you know, superhero stuff. Yeah. DC or otherwise, you know, and I think that uh, you're right because the vigilante suit could logically have been really shitty, you know, because, you know, he's a guy who, you know, he works at a restaurant. He's not like a full-time vigilante. It's just like for fun, he does that, you know, 
And I think that uh, you're right. It, it is, it does have, it's very easy for there to have been production values that uh, were left a little wanting, but that's not the way that the show got made. And also I just think that, you know, just on, on every level, I mean, you're right. It fires on all cylinders. It's just everything about it really does work. It is that perfect mixture of the dramatic moments of the action, but also just ridiculous comedy. Like the fact that his best friend is an Eagle named eagerly. <laughs> You know. uh, by the way, by the way, Michael's power went off, but uh, he might be joining uh, us again before we finish. Uh, so he, it, it was not your comment about Mark Hamill, okay, uh, but <laughs> which, know. by the way, by the way, Mark Hamill was also the voice of the Hobgoblin on the Spider-Man uh, animated series. It's mm-hmm. the exact same voice he did for the Joker, <laughs> but yeah. that's all right. I, I, I I'm not. If I'm it not works, here you know. Pile why, on. If, yeah. if it works, why fix it? Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. What was this? Oh yeah, yeah. So Dominica Saxon, uh, the dragon suit being solid red and white, very KKK without saying it, absolutely. And Dominica Saxon, most serial killers have mental or physical labor jobs, so vigilante being a busboy was perfect. Oh, menial. I think I said the word menial wrong. Um, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like it's just who he is. I, do you think that vigilante uh, interviews well? You know, he's not going to be a manager at a Staples, you know, so it's he's not going to have any kind of job where he has to interact with the public a lot or or anything that's going to require anything other than just minimal time investment too, right? Because he's going out at night. All of his money is going towards weapons. And and, like it costs it costs a lot of money to be firing all those bullets all the time. You know, bullets aren't cheap. That's a great point. (laughs) Didn't think about it, but uh, you're definitely right. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, uh, on the whole uh, a very pleasant uh, surprise what we got from it. And just the amount that, you know, I think I, I, I cared about the characters and, you know, the the sort of the that moment, that episode that ends where Otobayu realizes that Mern has a, a butterfly in his head. You're legitimately worried about her at the end of that episode. And then it's like, no, it's fine. We all know everything's cool. You know, as soon as like, she put that helmet on and was like, whoa, X-ray, I was like, no, <laughs> him, yeah. no. And then they revealed yeah. it, and I was like, no. Yeah, no, it's like she's not going to be able to play it cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it feels, like, it, mm, feels, I have to it just feels so much like a comic. Like, I can just see the book in my head. I can see the panels of, like, screen caps with the same words in a book, and it would just go very well it just james gunn is clearly a fan not even just of dc or marvel stuff or whatever but of of the format of comics and understands how those stories are told and i think he's he's just really nailing how to bring that to the screen and i hope that you know he gets more opportunities to do that and hopefully i think some other people you know will follow in his footsteps uh kind of yeah and i mean there's you know there there's an interesting you know sort of not really a movement, but there's, uh, you know, a, a decent amount of commentary that the idea is, hey, you know, he got to play with these characters, but how about James Gunn's Justice League, you know, and specifically uh, it, the the comic book artist, uh, James DeMattis, uh, said that uh, what he would like to see is him do what ended up being called Justice League International, which is the post-crisis on Infinite Earths Justice League with uh, the Hal Gardner Green Lantern, who's a dick, and Batman punches in the face, and yeah, it's a different. That could be interesting. Character. Yeah, I, yeah. I personally, 
I would not want Gunn to do a Justice League movie until unless it was like part of a trilogy or like maybe they do the first one and like establish the team and stuff. Yeah. And then the fair. second one, there's like some drama or something and he comes into that one. If he was to do more DC, I really want him to do a Green Lantern movie. I want him to do Green Lantern. Hey, and like Michael's the back. The power's on. With like Gardner and yeah. Hal and them dealing with each other. And you can also throw um, what's his name from the cartoon. Well, you could also have there. the uh, John, John Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, yeah, like there's there's so many potentials for these different characters. We already know that he does space and alien stuff. Well, uh, I, I think that would be great for him because it's it would it would suit that comedic tone while also allowing for some you know heavy action scenes. Well, also something like Green Lantern would suit James Gunn, which is what we're talking about, uh, Michael. You know what opportunities he could go to next within mm. DC's. Why do you think that? Well. What I was going to say about Green Lantern is there's a Green Lantern. Oh, Green form. Lantern. Yeah, I thought you said Green Arrow. I'm there's sorry. thousands no. of them that, and many yeah, that yeah, even yeah. in all this time we haven't met. So you could go for obscure ones. You could make some up and you could really mine the number of Green Lanterns. Yeah, he's, he's the guy um, who will, he'll find one Green Lantern that was only featured in like a background of one really obscure issue and then make yeah. him like a, a main supporting Kaz character. Yeah, which is awesome because you get to take something that's already there, but then build on, you know, flesh out stuff that wasn't there and create something that is it's like new, but also still familiar. Yeah, I think I think that would be a good fit for him. I mean, honestly, anything that he does, I'm going to watch it at this point. Like I am a, I'm a solid gun fan. Um, he consistently surprises me. And then even when I have high expectations, he he meets them. So I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, he said that he's done with uh, that. Guardians three will be the last Guardians. Uh, Good. Probably just because you know Chris Pratt is looking for too much money at this point. You know, I mean, also they're. I think they're trying. I think they're going to try to move away from the trilogy format and just try to yeah. do single movies and crossovers so that they don't tie themselves into, you know, contracts that they can't pay for and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Evangeline Lilies. Well, yeah, I mean, they already they already filmed that movie. Uh, she gave a hot note to Trudeau. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but they've already filmed her movie, so it's like they can recast her, but they're not gonna for that. shrink her down so little she can get no screen. They're just time. gonna they're gonna give her the 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 Luke Skywalker treatment and just like, or someone's gonna do this. Put a put a face on. Gone. It's gonna be like Charlize Theron instead. They just put her face, superimpose it for I the whole movie. I would or she's just that. never going to take her helmet off in the whole movie. We get <laughs> one scene in the beginning where she's like, like a bug. I am Ant Woman. And then she's going to put it on and then she'll just never take it off again. Yeah. I mean, don't uh, we all like Michelle Pfeiffer better? Yes. I mean, I would I would be happy to see Janet Van Dyne as mm. opposed to Hope Van Dyne. But uh, yeah, I know. I mean, it's uh, we, we talked about it. I mean, the idea that uh, the the Letitia Wright, Evangeline Lilly, uh, sort of buddy movie with a soundtrack by Kid Rock and Ted Nugent. I mean, look, there is a, there is, Meat, don't is a forget big Meatloaf. Don't well, forget Meatloaf. RIP Meatloaf. Okay. But, uh, there's he a big country pass for being an anti-vaxxer, but whatever. I mean, you in know, my personal opinion, Everyone came out of the woodwork saying how it was like the greatest album of all time. Like when he died, I'm like, where were you for Meatloaf before this? Well, I mean, Bad Out of Hell is still to this day, like one of the top 10 best selling albums. It's I just like don't a- really hear. I mean, I always 
growing up, you know, I was born in 1985. So the time period I'm growing up, Meatloaf was always the butt of a joke, like on a late night show or in a comedy, you know. I never have experienced life where Meatloaf was taken seriously. What I mean, his name was Meatloaf. I don't think he was ever taken seriously, but he uh, he had a he had a good voice and uh, partnered up with an amazing songwriter. And well, it's Jim not Stanton. like he was like Weird Al Yankovic. No, there's only one Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> well, I guess there's two because uh, Harry Potter's yeah. in the movie. So weird. Uh, well, uh, as like as we start Ross to wind down, let's talk about uh the uh the the only thing that to me is really a spoiler so if anybody hasn't watched the finale like i said last time this is the time to just turn off the show because it'll be the last thing we talk about and you can come back after you watch it or not i'm not going to be upset but uh it, it's very important even though it's it, it's really a, a you know some throwaway dialogue and all that so the big spoiler is the reveal at the end of the justice league even if it's all in silhouettes, it's interesting because it means that there's still a Justice League that, uh, you know, the Joss Whedon cut didn't destroy the notion of the Justice League in this universe and not just, you know, the upcoming. Well, they needed room for extra chairs. Maybe the... they're going to have the Dove of Peace or whatever on it. The Birds of Prey? No. So good. What is he talking about? I mean, I mean the, yeah. the Dove of know, Peace. The... Yeah. yeah, maybe the Wonder Woman's like room oh my God. more. It's, it's yeah. upside down. Uh, so yeah, and and so we have this moment, and just having them in silhouette would have been fun, but the fact that they actually have two of them speak and on camera, and you have an exchange between Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller. Uh, well, what else was Ezra Miller doing? The Flash movie. That's Isn't what he's that doing. Done? No, it's not done. And he went to the well, set. Maybe that's Guardi why. He went to the set of Guardians Three to film this because that's what James was doing. Because they didn't have it when they wrapped. Uh, so it, it felt very much like a. I feel like they probably shot maybe the silhouette thing before, and then not yeah, knowing and, if they would get them back. And then, uh, by the way, did, if if in. if in the script there's like a you know if if Diana and Bruce have had a line or you know. Kellel, you know, if Superman has a lot. I'd like to know what the lines were that they could have had, you know, if they were going to get those actors. But I was legitimately surprised that they had, you know, two of their movie stars, one of whose movie already came out and made a ton of money. And uh, I was surprised. I mean, I just look, if it ended and they weren't there, I, that would not have been a surprise, I think, to anyone. Yeah, because the way they show. talked about them so much, I figured someone was wow. going to show up. I figured Ezra Miller would, but so it well. makes sense because it, Jason Momoa seems like he really just enjoys yeah his jobs and his work. So it seems like a no brainer that he would like want to be there, knowing all of those fish jokes going yeah. on. Which I, I don't know. I think is great to see and just the, his delivery of fuck you, Barry. It's like, you look at that at face value. It's like, yeah, these are friends just breaking each other's balls. That's what they're doing. They really like each other. No, Barry Allen does not think that Aquaman fucks fish, you know, but of course the internet being the internet, social media being what it is, people are like, they undid all the good work they did for the character building of Aquaman. 
because now he's just no. A joke. It's like no, he's not a joke. The whole no. point is that he doesn't fuck fish. But I what it, don't like the new Iron Man or Aquaman because he's not a joke. I don't like this whole like again yeah. part of the whole DC. Everything has to be darker and super serious. Like look. Aquaman being a joke is not necessarily a bad thing, okay? Like, him being a lighter character and understanding that people make fun of him sometimes, and then every now and then he's, like, super useful, and they're like, damn, man, we're glad you're around. Like, that's an okay character. I, as, I love his, he like, physically and his presentation. He's definitely awesome for, like, a superhero thing. Yeah. For that character. And I feel you on that. About, like, the Justice League dynamic. Yeah. As him as this dark, brooding Iron Man, plus dark, brooding Batman... Plus, super dark brooding Superman, and then kind of quietly, but still kind of brooding Wonder Woman. Like, and then we get Ezra Miller just cracking jokes. Like, what? I couldn't I take that. Aquaman seriously at well, all between it, it, that yeah, and to, Amber Heard. To both of your point, just imagine if in if Marvel treated Ant Man seriously and not the way that they did. You know, I like, like the way they've treated him. No, I I like no, the way he think? is in this. I I like what they think? they cast Paul Rudd. Of course, they didn't take him too seriously. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's perfect for that character. If they uh, had taken him more like a Bruce Banner route. Yeah. I mean, and even this Bruce Banner, about. I mean, he, he, the, the Mark Ruffalo Bruce Banner is not taking himself too seriously. Yeah. Much more. Ed Norton took him the most serious. Michael's yeah. favorite uh, Bruce Banner, Ed Norton. <laughs> I, I do like that movie. I'm, oh, I'm not going to say that it's I'm good. Sure. Okay. But I'm saying that I like it. I like it. I, I, it's I it, it's one of my out, it's it's one of my favorite Stanley cameos where he drinks the the gamma radiated <laughs> soda. You know, it's funny to me. Uh, but and uh, yeah, I mean, look, if Dominica Saxon wants to make a point, Gal Gadot can brood all she wants, and I'm mm -hmm. sure she does on the set of Death on the Nile now in theaters. Um, but yeah, so all right, so Michael, you weren't surprised, but Nate and I, I think, we're both legitimately surprised. Because there's just usually a separation between TV and movies, you know. It's like, yes, some of they these see what Marvel's shows, doing, and it's they working, see what Marvel's so. doing, but they didn't put they didn't put Tony St Tony Stank in those shows, you know. They didn't put well, their top. They, I know they he's, weren't ready. he's dead, but it's like they didn't put their top tier characters in it. When Doctor Strange doesn't show up, well, at the end of Agents of Shield. You want to put something good in that? Come well, on. no, I'm, I'm talking about the Disney Plus shows. When Doctor Strange doesn't show up at the end of WandaVision, then you're like, okay, that would have made the most sense of anything, and then they didn't do it. It's clear that they're not really putting their movie stars, their biggest stars, in there. You know, we got uh, Ralph Boner instead. We did. Oh, boy, did we ever get Ralph Boner. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, there's the backlash of like, this, this is everything, you know, it's like, oh my God, every, uh, uh, Zack Snyder did so much hard work and look at uh, James Gunn just making a mockery of it. It's like, no, it's probably good to have a universe where both Zack Snyder and James Gunn can make movies and have your characters. Zack Snyder did way too much work, in my opinion. Like, well, why yeah, I, three versions of the same? Zack, like, I can't imagine that Zack Snyder will will make any more films for DC. You know, he has he has not. They they didn't get their money back in their investment. I don't think. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, I think that uh, you know just. I don't know. What do you think, Nate? I mean, the internet is just a terrible place. Social media is a terrible place. And that's really, people need to be, you know, upset that like Aquaman says fuck, but people got mad when Batman said fuck in the, the scene that Michael liked, you know, and then, you know, so it, 
I'm it's so just... very out of the loop of DC fan bases. Like, I get some of that stuff on Twitter, yeah. but I get none of the DC stuff. So I didn't even know that people were upset about that. Um, I didn't either. Like a really silly thing to be upset about. Agreed. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like it's it just seems especially well, with the dark, gritty direction that they've gone in, like that Aquaman saying the F word in that scenario. It was like not, call the FCC. It's not like he was like, Yeah, I do fuck fish. Like then I'd be like, Whoa. And then yeah, yeah the internet can yeah. be like, All right. Can, can you imagine if his line was, Hey, don't knock it till you tried it? Yeah, right. Like no kink shaming. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and way more embarrassing is is the the Titans trailer where Robin says "fuck Batman." Like that's just oh. stupid, you know. In the context of the show, it wasn't the worst thing ever, but it's oh like, my god, was, that actor's not a good actor. No, he's like I, I, kills me that he's Nightwing. I I only saw that first season of Titans, and by the end I, of the season, by the end of the, that season, I'm like, I like everyone except for Nightwing. Like, I really wish they would make Nightwing an Asian American character, and I thought we were gonna get that because they were. Uh, well, they Jason were, Todd wasn't Jason Todd on that that first season, or I thought there was an Asian, or am I wrong about that? The uh, if there, Jason Todd is Asian, I would have no way of. Knowing. No, there was like a there was a new Robin though in that he's, first season. I, right? He's half Latino or okay. black. Well, or, I haven't seen it in a long Asian. time. I don't know, yeah. but um, anyway. The, the point in the in the new season, <clears throat> one of the characters that they introduce is the 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 newest Robin, the uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Damian Wayne, not Damian. Oh, uh, I always the other one, the one who's gay, Drake, uh, Drake, Tim, Tim Drake. Drake, Tim Drake. Yeah, yeah. they introduced Tim Drake, and he's black, so they went for a little bit of diversity in there. Okay. Well, I, the guy yeah. from, go ahead. The guy from The Walking Dead uh, that played Maggie's husband, the one who gets his head bashed in. Do you guys watch The Walking Dead? No. It's been a while. Oh, God. No. Never mind. Well, there, there was rumor that he was going to be Nightwing or like some version of Robin or something in yeah. this new iteration of batman that's coming up but yeah. and, i don't think that and raging rhino confirms it is jason todd in second and third seasons of titans but uh the ethnicity anyway i i think there's a lot for dc to do going forward that uh they could have more successes uh if they do more with uh james gunn what we do know is that there'll be a peacemaker season two there's a, a lot mm-hmm. to hope for with that and uh i look forward to it that's the and, one thing uh, I'm, I'm a little anxious about because shows like this have a tendency to do like a near perfect first season. And then just because it's successful, they have to do another one and there's not as much thought put or love or energy into it. And it, and it won't be as good. So I feel like you got to cap it off at like four seasons. Just, just do one, just do one. (laughs) If it's really good. Like the way that this story was structured does not lend itself to a a larger overarching story that we need to continue progressing to. If it ended here, Z. I'm not well, talking about little cliffhanger plots 
that are added just at the last of the end episode so that if they do do a sequel there's like there is yeah. a little string for them well, to hold on to i'm talking about an overall arc. He's, if they had introduced some larger villain or something that was also working with the butterflies that we didn't okay. really find out about them that much and then in the end we found out that their plan was for us to actually kill the cow because they're actually against the butterflies and so now we have to find out why they did that right that would be interesting. Then I'd be like, yes, can't wait for season two. As it is I, right I, now, there is no cliffhanger where I'm like, except oh, get there, season two. there's one. The one cliffhanger is does Judo Master like other kinds of Cheetos or just flaming hot? I don't know the answer. I want to see. Does he eat the regular <laughs> ones? I, I don't know. Uh, well, know. it'll be it'll be fun to see. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, I feel like James Gunn has the passion for this project and these characters and everybody, you know, the uh, the cliche of a labor of love. So hopefully that would translate on the screen. But we will see. And uh, what we will see for our next episode of the Black Cast will be two hours and 56 minutes of the Batman, which I'm sure is going to be a laughing Whoa. minute. Uh, it'll be in a contrast to this. I I'm looking forward to it. Despite that runtime, I've got my tickets already. My pal, Will Sterling and I are going to see it. And I think John Nolan will be back to talk about it with us. And, uh, we will talk to all of you about the Batman on our next episode. But until then, Nate, where can people find you? Uh, everywhere. Dog like Nate, two G's, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, Nate appeared on a, a very recent episode of Biden Time, where we talked about Ukraine with uh, Will Sterling's co-host from History Rated R, Craig Smith. It was a very enlightening conversation. We could have spent more than an hour. We could have spent more than an hour just on the history of the region. Uh, but uh, so that was fun. And we did all uh, that. And then everything changed. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and Overnight. then uh, Michael. You can find uh, Michael uh, in a lot of places, but the most important places you can find Michael every week, uh, Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Marvel Movie Talk, where we also see Nate regularly. Uh, and uh, where else can people keep in touch with you, Michael? You can find me on Instagram at I Hate Michael Shirley and on Twitter. Wait, no, no. Yeah, on t- Instagram, I Hate Michael Shirley and Twitter at Michael X Shirley. Hard yes. for me to keep it all straight. And of course, I'm at Christian Blatt. Uh, no, I'm at Kristen DMZ, uh, <laughs> Twitter and Instagram, and at Blackcast YouTube channel, B-L-A-D-T-C-S-T. Uh, please uh, subscribe. And as, of course, Dominican Saxon says, like and share. Thank you both. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Thank you, Peacemaker. Thank you, Eagly, who I hope gets his own spinoff movie called Iron Eagly, but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath for that. That is all the time we have for this week. We'll see you next time on The Blackcast. She said, I don't love you anymore. I was slain and shown the door. Ain't no room here anymore. Please don't look to me above. All the pain is with yourself. All the blame is with yourself. John, I have a quick question for you. Sure. Uh, do you think if Mickey Rourke shows up to WrestleMania, he's going to get his butt kicked? Uh.
I know there's a certain gentleman out there looking for him, but uh, I also know Mickey's pretty nice with the hands. Usually we don't have our uh, spectators getting involved in the events, but Mickey's a bit of a loose cannon. You never know what to expect. I really just, on a personal level, I thought he made a great movie, and I'm certainly glad he's going to be at the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. You're a huge fan of The Wrestler? I really am. I thought his character was fantastic. I thought the movie was great. It's going to be a pleasure to meet him. And you never know what he's going to say next. You never know what's going to happen next with him. So he'll fit right in with the, the attitude of WrestleMania. What's it like for you, acting now? It, it's fantastic. It's a little bit of a different challenge. You certainly don't have 20,000 people cheering you on for every scene. But uh, I'm taking to it well, and I'm certainly liking the gig. So hopefully more movies in the future, as well as a, uh, a continuing career with the WWE. Good luck on 12 rounds. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.